0: This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity. With your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to CyberSound. Uh, I'm your host, Jason Pufall, and today it really is just Stephen Mareska and and me. (laughs) Hi there. Hey. Uh, Maybe maybe it's because we're scaring people away with the topic. I don't know. Uh, So you know this in a way. As I thought about this, maybe it's a little bit of a of a follow up to our. Christmas episode, a tiny bit, right? Where we really did sort of in in a satirical matter, talk a little bit about lack of privacy. And I think today we wanted to spend some time on, you know, how do you, how do you use the internet sort of in a day, in in a day and age where, you know, being tracked is an expectation. And, and well, I don't, I don't want to position that negatively, you know, in some ways having your user behavioral activities tracked, can provide some value, and I think you know we chatted a little bit before this around uh, you know some of the some of the ways to maybe be a little bit more private, some of the ways to make the data and advertisements and things like that sort of ensure that they're a little bit more relevant to you, perhaps. Um, so not so much the you know, how do you avoid being tracked, but you know how do you use your browsers? how do you access the internet, and sort of make sure what you're doing is then ultimately meaningful for you.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a tricky subject. Uh, we were talking about. Santa and how he finds what gifts gifts to give you and your children that's a little different but you know Santa used the tools the same way that we might use the tools right but with foreknowledge of implications um so the common one that i think
0: right i'll go on to limit i think probably most people are familiar with is probably incognito mode in Certainly Chrome, I think the majority of browsers now have that, that concept of incognito, right? And I think we want to be careful that right, It's not. it doesn't mean fully anonymous, nobody can ever see or identify what you've done, right?
1: Yeah, but so for those who are unaware, browsers have the ability to open a window that is private and largely divested of information that you've accumulated while using the browser otherwise. What's that mean, ultimately? It doesn't have your session logged into Google. It doesn't have you logged into Microsoft Online. All of the things that you've been using, you would need to, in that browser, log in again as if you were starting from scratch. Now, that sounds like an inconvenience described that way, but when you're interacting with a web browser or web search engine, that may actually be an aid to you. The reason we bring it up is that occasionally there's a benefit to shedding all of the accumulations of behavior that you've um, brought on with your session over the last week, month, day, whatever the time period might be. Strategies to stay private on the Internet are almost missing the point because you're not private. You're just Everything not private. you do is being tracked in some capacity. If you're using a free service, it's being supported by ads it's functioning by using a lack of privacy to even get its revenue. So what do you do in that reality? Um, recognize that it's happening first and foremost, and understand that how you interact with services changes fundamentally how they deliver content to you. And I think I want to start basically with a search engine. sure. And I'll be very liberal with definition of a search engine. I might be referring to Facebook, Instagram, being Google, of course, but more generally anything that you can use uh, to consume media or content. your Viewing history on YouTube is just as relevant as your search queries in Google for this conversation. Those platforms learn who you are, what you like to do, what terms mean to you, and what they do is deliver content that you're most likely to click in that moment. And occasionally that's helpful, right? It it, it helps you identify things that you might not have been aware of in that moment but are adjacent subjects, adjacent uh, content. That's great. Other times, uh, you know, it might deliver content that you don't mean to actually reach. Say you're searching for a term that overlaps between a variety of fields. Search results might be obscured from you uh, when it already understands that you're looking for field A, not field B. Um... It's it's a real issue in terms of understanding what you're seeking and trying to get the most meaningful results back.
0: So it is a double-edged sword, though, in some degree, right? So I find I'm not a huge Facebook user. Uh, I use it to follow some skiing groups, you know, a, a few other very, very topical things. Um, but what I have found is, you know, the more I look at some of the skiing groups, the more I'm presented by skiing-related Right, oh yes yeah. information right so you can easily see how being focused during a period of time all of a sudden gets you more more and more focused and it's it's almost difficult to be diverse now and in, in, and have the opportunity to go into a into a direction that you're just not sort of thinking about because it's the season for right. example
1: it's winter time you're thinking about skiing right. you're getting stuff from patagonia from you know alpine resorts they're trying to get you to Yes, spend that, your money there, and, and and overwhelmingly now, that's what my feed looks like, right?
0: Uh, I don't see a lot of other things that I'm really interested in, right? Which is kind of a problem, and, and I don't know how to I don't know how to address that, right? Because the alternative is I've handed my phone or my computer to my kid, who then also searched for something, and now I'm getting things about you know Matchbox cars, right? Is something we talked about earlier. So right. all you know, it's wildly divergent, but it's difficult to get some of these you know different interests to be displayed right with the with the algorithms where they are.
1: And this brings us back to incognito and private mode browsing. If if you need to compartmentalize the activity that's occurring on your system, maybe it's just because your friend needs to log in to check their email and you don't want them looking at yours. You, you open up an incognito browser. If you want your if you want to search for car parts later and not get <laughs> <Yeah>. matchbox car <laughs> results, you, right. you you need to separate those activities because otherwise Google thinks your kid looking for something is associated with your interest. Right. Um, th- this maps back to you know protecting your privacy and protecting your interaction with um, various services because you know occasionally you search for things that you don't want others knowing about. Simple thing. You know, I, I was re- <laughs> this is some time ago now. I was looking up um, destinations for a honeymoon. I was planning around uh, proposing to my wife. I didn't want her to know that I was doing all of that, yet we shared the same internet connection at home, shared some of the same devices, so I had to be very careful about it. This is not an abstract concept. I know of several people who got an early tip-off that a proposal was going to happen because of that type of thing. And the same is true across a whole wealth of other subjects. Um, We made jokes back in the the holiday uh, time basically about kids giving their parents a tip-off about the things they were interested in because of the crossing of of advertisements. But the same thing could happen if you're looking up something a little more private that you don't want others to know about. These are mechanisms to avoid that type of thing. And, you know, other other ways to go about it, log out of services if you don't need them. Facebook has a little tracking pixel in every page under the sun. So does Twitter, so does Instagram, you name it. If you're a little more careful about how you're logged into those services, you're to some degree, to a lesser degree certainly than opening a private browser window, protecting yourself if you avoid being logged in. The, I'm curious though the so you
0: know it, incognito is one one tool that you have. Um, it was long thought that VPNs provided provided privacy.
1: Um, yeah, it's it certainly it, an active advertising campaign across <laughs> multiple sources of social media. Uh, if you're at all a YouTube consumer, you know sponsored videos from NordVPN or you name it. The truth is, no, it's not protecting you at all. It's just encapsulating your traffic with encryption. Right. But you're still logged in on those services. You're just exiting via a different point. It right. doesn't world. really change anything. It doesn't change a thing.
0: And, and in fact, they don't even help that much for for tricking you. Know, YouTube TV and these other services to say that you're in a different part of the country. They, you know, they figured that
1: out, right? Your browser communicates its time zone, your local uh, language. It knows, even if you're exiting through Vienna, that you're in probably uh, Eastern seaboard us. There's right. no real, there's no real subterfuge being uh, achieved. So avoid VPNs unless you have a real reason to use them. But bottom line, just be cognizant of what you're searching through what services through what devices, and uh, what you logged into at that time. That will solve three-quarters of the things that we're talking about. Maybe it's a benefit that you search on Google for a product and suddenly get recommendations in Amazon. That's not a negative in all scenarios. There are benefits to all of these things. Um, But when you cross those boundaries between uh, subject domains, sometimes it's a problem. I'm a programmer but I'm also interested in chemistry gardening wildly divergent subjects and a lot of terms tend to overlap between them you just don't get the results you want if you happen to be switching so rapidly from one subject to another so you you talked about you know the
0: tracking pixel um you know we certainly talked about how search results are used to provide you your know, sort of future information um one thing I think that we that we all see now, in you know, every time you go to a, a new company's website, is the notification around cookie tracking, right? And and you know, I, I, that's hugely a result of the European privacy law, GDPR. Um, but they're all worded in such a way as to encourage you to probably accept all of the cookies. Uh, maybe spend a second on you know, frankly, one, what is a cookie? Uh, and then two, you know, is there any harm to saying you know, no? Don't accept cookies in those in those models, but you see that banner
1: every major company's website certainly nowadays. So the usual uh, analogy used with a cookie is that you're leaving little crumbs behind whenever you visit a site. It's apropos though, strained a little bit. The basic concept is that a cookie is a way of individually, uniquely identifying you for your for the duration of your interaction with a website, and. That's helpful for a lot of ways, a lot of reasons. It enables it to show an image that's relevant to you so that you know you've already logged in. To display content that's relevant to you and not to a friend or another person entirely. But you know, they enable secondary tracking, like we've alluded a moment ago. When you visit a website with a Facebook icon on it, it's basically conveying to Facebook and its marketplace of marketing agencies that you are interested in that website and the topics broadly associated with it.
0: So I want to jump back for one second. because you said, you know, it, it can track you for the duration of time that you visit that website. Uh, as soon as I hear that, I think to myself, well, that's probably meaning the time that I'm actively looking at it. But that can span... That's a fair point.
1: Right? Yeah, cookies are persistent. Right. They Many of them expire. Some of them don't. Um, but the point is, it's it's something that sticks along with you and most website creators are inclined to keep them as lengthy as possible right. because you might return to them or visit a, a partner website. Right. So and it's, it's beneficial for them. Point. And, and, and yeah. frankly, it does. they do make the experience better. Right? They do. Because to your point,
0: you do get content that maybe you saw before or returns you to a location that's, that's relevant.
1: But getting back to the GDPR context, uh, when GDPR was enacted, of course, many websites basically implemented the freedom to not be tracked components of GDPR by advertising the fact that they were producing cookies relevant to your browsing experience, and you have to accept whether you allow them or not. You can reject them. Most of those websites present a green button or an okay or a bigger button in the location you expect from typical uh, uh, dialogues of that sort to accept everything. You actually need to drill down a couple levels to toggle off uh, the tracking cookies for third-party marketing and so forth just be aware of that it it takes a second, it's irritating, but if you don't want your browsing activity to be inherently shared with third parties, there are some steps that allow you to use um, those prompts to at least control what what type of activity sites are allowed to do. Um, I think that it's it's relevant because of the the broader conversation at large. If you're browsing on a site and you accept those cookies, inherently it enables them to resell your browsing habits and make a dime off of you. Maybe that's okay. Maybe you're doing that with eyes wide open. Perhaps not. Just be aware of it. Um, I think, stepping way back, the bigger conversation here has to do with the notion of what some people call a filter bubble. And it's a very big term for a problem that has basically been addressed by most of the preamble here. All of the sites and services we use use algorithms to adapt to us to provide what they perceive as a more personalized experience. That's great if you want to find material that is relevant to you and of interest to you. It's horrendously corrosive if you're trying to seek divergent opinions or counterpositions. Because if you try to search for something that is... Uh, the opposite of your own general viewpoint in something like Google, it's not going to produce results that are in that vein. You need to take deliberate action to enter an incognito or a private window to actually get search results that are generic and objective and removed from that air of uh, customization and personalization. You can use other browsers like DuckDuckGo that you know are explicitly built. Or not browsers, web search engines that are explicitly built around the expectation of greater privacy. They help, but you're still visiting sites through those searches, so it, it's only part of the problem.
0: It is interesting to see just how much traction DuckDuckGo is getting. Uh, you know, they're they're advertising everywhere. It's clear people are thinking a little bit more about privacy, which which I personally find encouraging. Uh, the the conversation that we're having now. I, I, start to, I start to find myself thinking, you know, is, is this a, is an exercise in futility to try and take all of the steps that you outlined, right? I, I go back to an activity that I did, I mean, at least a half dozen years ago where I dutifully unsubscribed to every spam message I could for, for about a month. And it made a tremendous difference in the amount of spam that I got for two months. And then I had it all back this feels similar to that where you can take a lot of actions to log out of things, to use incognito, um, to avoid accepting cookies, you know, indiscriminately. Re- it really takes persistence and diligence to achieve sort of what you're describing, right? And, and I'll, and what you're describing, I feel like is how do you get the most value from the internet that you can, right? Yeah, because I it's not, so. this is not so much a, you know, how do you avoid being tracked discussion? It's, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of resources out there. How do you make sure that you're exposed to them? There's some useful ways to do that, but it takes
1: effort. Yeah, I, I think it's appropriate to think of it that way. It's a privacy-oriented discussion, but reframing as using the Internet the most, in the most effective way possible for you in that moment is probably the, a, a great way to look at it. Candidly, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a, as paranoid as they come from a security-oriented perspective. But that doesn't mean I morph all of my behavior into this, you know, zero sum game because that's not practical. Right. For certain activity, I I couldn't care less. I'm logged in for a session that might persist for a month in some browsers. Uh, Others, I might deliberately open a window and search for a certain subject so that I am receiving generally, um, objective, generally unfiltered content. It depends upon the situation, and the point is that people need to be aware that these behaviors are beneficial and deleterious at the same time and behave appropriately for the moment, whether it be searching for gifts, preparing for a proposal, or you know something a little more private that you don't want others to know about.
0: So in, in the spirit, though, a little bit of how to use the Internet effectively, I think one thing that I know about you personally that, that stands out to me always is you understand how to use Google. Uh, you know how to search. You think through the way you craft your searches. Uh, I don't think a, a lot of people don't do that, right? They put a very basic search term in, what the results are, the results are. Those are going to be the most generic. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say that a, that a piece of this is you understand how the Internet works, but then also understand how some of the search engines sort of get their results and, f- and learn a little bit better how to, how to tailor your searches to get the result that you actually are looking for.
1: Right. I mean, Bing, Google, Microsoft, they're, their tools are blisteringly intelligent.
0: Yeah, they're software products, right?
1: But they're dumb at the end of the day. You need to understand that they're just computer algorithms and give them a leg up if you want to get the results that you intend to actually obtain. And part of that is actually going through and, you know, clicking the, advanced search or clicking the question mark next to those search boxes and learning a little about how they function asking a question uh like scotty you know computer (laughs) uh back i don't know what year that was but you know the star trek movie mid-80s they still don't work that way you can't ask the natural language questions and expect a reasonable response even though billions of dollars of investment have been uh, placed towards making that a reality it's, inter- it's so interesting that you bring that up because
0: I feel, you know, I, I've got two teenage kids and they ask you know, Siri or Alexa, or whomever, really natural language questions all the time. And they never, never get results that are worthwhile. Um, it is, it, eventually we'll get there, right? I mean, there's no doubt, right? But we're not there today. And I, I, sometimes they'll ask things that are, you know, 15 words long. And as soon as they get going, you're like, yeah, there's no hope.
1: I, I think, an adjacent suggestion here is persistence because of that reality. Uh, the tools we have are imperfect. They're designed to deliver things that they think or an algorithm calculates is the most likely, uh, most clickable result. Uh, that's not likely the case. It might be delivered with an advertisement that's sure. deceptively designed to look like a search result. If you don't see what you're looking to actually um reach just try again restrict your search query come up with better terms think how you would ask the question of someone who speaks a language other than your own and that's probably how you want to go about interrogating a, a search engine or something like that
0: yeah so you know there, there's some good tools out there um you know, internet certainly has wildly divergent sets of information uh don't, you know, try try to take steps so you're not getting, you're, you're not getting your information limited to you, right?
1: Yeah. I think that's the, that's an important message along with you have no expectation of privacy. You're using for the large part, yep. free advertising supported services. And that's the price of admission. Just walk in with that expectation and, or understanding at least, and there won't be any surprises. Fair enough.
0: So uh, on that, it's interesting, you know, I, I tend to end the same way right and, but in this case I really feel like if there if there's comments on how do you maximize the value of the internet you know reach out to us uh, at Vancord at LinkedIn or Vancouver security at, at Twitter uh, I feel like there's a million directions you could take this conversation.
1: It's true. Uh, so. Security is one of those realms that has tendrils into everything and this is a great example of it. it yeah it is. Uh,
0: so you know we hope everybody got some value out of this hope you are thinking a little bit differently uh, maybe about the way you, you approach the internet. Uh, And as always, thanks for listening and have a good day. Stay vigilant. Stay resilient. This has been Cybersound.